Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Take the Reins. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation today. I have the honor to speak with John Haim today. John is the author of the book Ride Big. If you listen to the Canada Horse Podcast, you're probably thinking this is a little familiar, but I could not wait to be able to sit down personally with John and and dig in a little deeper into specifically chapter two. If you have the book, you'll understand why. And we're going to open up this conversation today. But firstly, thank you, John, for joining us. And it's nice to have you. Thank you, Nikki. We had fun on the Canada Horse Podcast. So I think uh, this will be equally as fun. So uh, I'm excited to talk to you and, and we'll help some people out there too. That's our objective, right? Oh, absolutely. So I will say that if you're listening right now and you haven't picked up Ride Big, if you're looking to take action, it is a book that will offer you action pieces to be able to move forward. So that's why I personally love it so much. But before we get too far into things, John, why don't you just tell me who you are, what you do, and your involvement with horses? Well, I work in high performance, Nikki. I work in sports. So that's what we're doing here today with Equestrian. I work in uh, corporate. So I coach executives. I coach kind of down to the sales manager level uh, in organizations. Um, And I coach leadership in organizations. I coach performance and I coach leadership. Uh, And then I coach entertainers too. So I coach uh, some bands, some actors, So anybody who has a touch with performance, and typically that's a pretty wide scope because typically we all do, right? In in some uh, shape or form, we're all performers. So I focus on athletes. So I work in the NBA, NFL, PGA Tour, ATP Tennis, obviously FEI Equestrian. Um, I work in professional squash. I work in many different sports and I have Olympians too. We had some people in Tokyo. So um, that's essentially what I do. Uh, My connection with Equestrian uh, about seven years ago, and I explained this on Canada Horse Podcast too. So I'll just do the exact same thing. About seven years ago, I, uh, I was asked by one of my friends whose daughter was a meter 20 show jumper to help her. Now I hadn't worked in equestrian before, but I had a connection with horses because my dad owned racehorses growing up, standard bred racehorses. So I was around the barn quite a bit and loved the horses. So uh, we helped her, we followed around to shows, we went to clinics. Um, And then I started to work with different uh, layers or levels, I guess, of equestrian. So some hunters, some eventers, And then we started to work up in the sport, uh, sort of at the top level. So now I have some of the top equestrians in the world. I work with uh, some young American show jumpers, some eventers, some dressage, um, some rainers, uh, which has been fun too. So uh, we included actually Casey in the book, in the Ride Big book, as one of our sort of feature riders. And that was awesome, actually, connecting with him. Casey Deary, if you don't know him. So good. What a good. Yeah, what a guy. And uh, what a great example to use in the book, too. And we highlighted some things there. And he had some great things to say when I interviewed him. So that's basically kind of where I come from. And then I wrote Ride Big uh, about, well, this past year, it was released uh, at the very end of April by Trafalgar Square Books. Um, And that was exciting to sit down because I really felt that it was 
needed in the equestrian business, uh, in the equestrian industry, I really felt going from shows, working with all sorts of different levels of equestrians, that there definitely was a confidence crisis in equestrian. So I wanted to address it. I actually wanted to write the book probably four years ago when I first started in equestrian or working with equestrian athletes, but it just took some time to write it. And then COVID presented the opportunity, which was cool, right? I had a little bit of extra time. So I sat down, we connected with Trafalgar Square, said, they asked me, what do you want to write about? I said, definitely, definitely the confidence and the pieces attached to it. So that's how it all came about. And, uh, you know, the, the response of the book has been amazing. Uh, I think we've helped a lot of writers so far and we'll continue to do it. And I'll get out there and start promoting it pretty soon, I think. I already did actually at Caledon at the Major League Show Jumping event uh, a couple of weeks ago. We, we kind of started our formal promotion, but uh, kind of we're in the process of doing that now. Oh, that's great. I saw that. That lo- It looked like a lot of fun. I was thinking that it'd be nice to actually be close by to be around for one of those events. But I, I really enjoyed our last interview and it was interesting to get to speak to you again, because I spoke to a couple people after they had listened. And when, you know, I think of the title of the book that ride big, you and I spoke about what it means and it really resonated with me. It's like that feeling of, you know, when you're riding big or when you're riding small, or if you don't, once you hear about it, you're like, oh, now I can, I have this visual that goes along with it. And that was see, that seems to be the thing that struck people was that ride big and, and going in and I had somebody say, oh, I'm going to listen to this episode before I go into every single show. Like they, they wanted to be able to go in with that feeling of riding big. And so what I'll get you to do is just re-explain what that concept is for us, just so that we can understand those of you who haven't listened to the Cannon Horse podcast, for those of you to, you know, get an idea of what is riding big versus what is riding small. And then also, I will encourage you that if you don't have it already, you need to go out and buy it because this is not, this conversation is just the tip of the iceberg for what people will actually get um, in the grand scheme of things, if they actually have the book in their hands. So, and this isn't, I'm not working for John here, guys. This is because I actually believe that it's, it's really valuable stuff. So John, Ride Big, what is it? Why did you choose this title? So the book, Nikki, is about essentially, like I said, there's a confidence crisis, I believe, in equestrian sport generally. So the book is about confidence. Understanding confidence, what the heck is it, first of all? And then developing it and building it and being able to sustainably have it. So, you know, the whole idea of Ride Big, if you want me to explain the story very quickly. Uh, so I was in Wellington with some riders sitting around at a table at a, it's a, it was a five-star show jumping event. And we'd have, riders would come into the ring, they'd be in the in gate, they'd start up and, and uh, we'd obviously watch them. And I think we were having dinner or something like that. And one of the riders said to me, um, what do you think of that rider? That was, that was, that was in the ring. And I said, well, that rider's riding pretty big. And then they'd ask me another rider and I'd say, well, that rider's riding a bit smaller or that rider is riding small. So then they said, well, what the heck does that mean? Basically. And I explained to them what it means. And riding big is a style of riding. It's, it's riding confidently. It's maximizing your abilities. Uh, it's embracing sort of some risk, embracing calculated risk. Uh, there's a joy and an excitement in the way the rider is riding in this pressure situation, right? They're able to consume the pressure in the right way. So it's good pressure for them and not bad pressure on the other side. You can tell when a rider is riding small because they're not riding really confidently. There's a bit of doubt. Um, they're, you know, they're only using a fraction of their abilities. They're playing it safe. Um, they're anxious and, and hesitating in the moment. Um, there's a focus, you know, you can kind of see sometimes I've been doing this a long time, so I can see there's a bit, sometimes there's a bit of a focus on the outcome and they're not in the moment and focusing on the process of being step by step with the horse. And I think that's really critical. We've been talking a lot about that lately, being step by step with your horse and not ahead or not behind. 
you're right there with the horse step by step, which I like. Um, and it, it's very applicable to, especially we, we just worked with a, a, a big dressage rider and we we're talking about step by step by step, be there step by step with the horse and feel it, right? Really work with the horse and feel it. So, you know, the other thing too, I, I would say is that you can see that uh, riders who are riding small, are sort of trying not to lose. And there's a big difference between trying to win and trying not to lose at that level. Mm -hmm. So I can see typically when a rider is trying not to lose, they're careful too. They're very careful. And that gets into some areas of the book that people can explore with respect to perfectionism and, and some other pieces that are attached to being too careful. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be careful. You need to be a bit reckless. You need to have that free flow uh, in what you're doing. So that's important. So there's many differences between riding big and riding small, but essentially when you boil it all down, the rider who is riding big is riding with a level of confidence. They know they can do it. The rider who is riding small, there's doubt. They're not sure they can do it. And there's many reasons why. And that's some of the reasons we explore in the book and getting into the pieces of the book, the fear, you know, the, the area of comfort, the pressure, um, and riding inside out and outside in, like I explained in the book, which is, you know, riders who ride big, ride inside out. Riders who ride small, ride outside in. Meaning that a lot of the factors on the outside are coming inside of them and controlling how they're performing. Whereas a, a rider who's riding inside out has a real nice structure on the inside. They know who they are. They know their own truth. They've, they've trained the proper way, they know how to do it, and they're writing and expressing that from the inside out. So that's essentially what you want to do in anything in life, really. You want to perform from the inside out because that's where the self-expression comes from. So I would say that's the sort of the, the, the Reader's Digest version, I would say, of writing big and writing small. There's more to it, certainly, but... Um, it was fun actually sitting around with the group in, in Wellington and, and they asking me, they said, what is, and I, you know, I've been doing this so long, Nikki, I can tell right away when a rider comes in, even the approach to the first fence, even, even coming into the ring and the body language and everything, what that looks like, you can pick up little things mm -hmm. and you can tell if they're going to ride big or they're going to ride small. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> I love it. When you talk about confidence and you use that word it's so funny it's one yeah. of those things that i feel like we're taught confidence and we're taught how to use the word in context but we're never really sat down and defining it and saying what does it mean to me and how do i achieve it the idea of really diving into what is confidence that's a really important question because it's so key but at the same time it's left to just be this word that floats around that people can grab onto when their feet, they know they're not feeling like they can ride big and they know there's factors that are involved in, you know, making them feel like they can't, or that it's allowing doubt to set in or, or they're, you know, being stuck in this, this headspace that is less productive than they'd like. So I love that you start out by just saying like, we actually have to know what, what confidence is. Like, what is it? How does it apply to me? Yeah. And I'm then, just, Go understanding ahead. it understanding yeah. it for sure is is step one okay what is it okay if i know what it is then i can acquire it or figure out how to acquire it right yeah yeah and then the other part that really stood out to me there was the step by step when you said like you really want to feel and we use that word as an equestrian so often the word feel because we want it that we know that what separates the best of the best from the rest of us is their feel. So when, when I, I actually just made a post today on Instagram about feel in the sense that you can't, you can't, it doesn't come from the mind. It's not a thought out thing. It's a feeling it's going. And it's exactly that going step by step and being in your body and knowing and trusting, but you have to quiet the mind in order for that to happen. And so when I'm looking at, you know, building confidence and thinking about, I was thinking about this interview and, and uh, what you have in this book. And I'm thinking like so much of it is dropping out of your head and into your body to be able to trust 
yourself and know yourself without getting so heady that you're just getting in your own way. Yeah. You know, part of my job is getting people to just stay out of the way, like just get out of the way and Mm -hmm. allow your abilities. You want to, you're always trying to maximize your abilities and that's where you get into the feels and everything too, right? You're able to use those feels. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay out of the way and you have to stay out of the way of the horse. I mean, you you cannot allow the emotions to run amok and get into the horse and allow the horse to feel, you know, you want the horse, you know, like I mentioned in the Canada horse podcast too. one of the people I was most impressed with in writing ride big was Michael young, who's an inventor. And he had a lot of fun. He's a very good horse person, a very good horseman. And he had some fantastic ideas around that about taking pressure off of the horse and putting confidence into the horse right and that's your job your mm-hmm. job is a couple of your jobs is to take pressure off of the horse and to put confidence into the horse you certainly don't want to do it the other way around where you're taking confidence out of the horse and putting pressure on the horse that's a double whammy mm-hmm. so you, you you need to be careful with that but the you know the the Confidence is one of those things, Nikki, it's hard to define it. It's really difficult to define it. You could ask a hundred people and everybody would have a different thing. It's like when people ask me to define leadership, leadership is really hard to define because if you, again, if you asked a hundred people, a hundred people would have a hundred different answers. You'd never get the same answer. So confidence, in my opinion, from the work I've done and from the athletes I work with and even the executives I work with is really knowing you can do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when the, when the pressure's high, when the moment arrives that uh, is, it's asking you to perform, the moment is asking you to perform, that you know you can do it. Mm-hmm. So you develop that. And it has to be, in my opinion, you have to do work on this. Like it's like anything. It's like the technical piece of riding. You know, you don't, you take a few lessons. Great. But there's more work. There's more work. There's always, as you know, right. There's always mm-hmm. more work on the technical side. That's where people are coached their entire lives uh, on the technical piece of riding. Well, this is no different. You have to work at this. You can't just assume that confidence is just going to pop up and be there. You have to do the work. You have to understand it first, and then you have to build it. You have to develop it, and you have to be very aware of what potentially could get in your way, what walls are in your way preventing you from acquiring this confidence. So that's, that's I think those are the important things, right? And confidence, like I said, is difficult to define, but if you have to boil it down to one concept or one word, to me, it would be knowing. And I wrote about that in the book, you know, you can do it. Oh my gosh. I am so happy that you just said the importance of this work because it's so often people will put, there's so much pressure on the horses. The horses need to perform. The horse needs more confidence. The horse needs, the horse needs. And oftentimes people feel like, well, if I have my weekly riding lessons or if I watch the training videos, then I'm all, I'm good to go. But there's so much that a rider and equestrian can do at home. That's going to change their ability to lead their horse when they're at the barn in the competition ring, whatever it might be. So I'm so glad that you're really pushing for the importance of this work and recognizing that there is this there's, there's two entities here. There's the horse and the human, and we are just as responsible for what we're bringing to them. And when we have the question, so many people ask the question, how do I put confidence in my horse? And they don't necessarily want to hear the answer that, well, you have to work on your own confidence first. This is, this isn't a quick fix answer that we're going to hand you a tool for your horse or an exercise with your horse. And it's going to just be there. This is a long-term game where you have to work on yourself first. So there's a quote in your book that I, I really liked, and it's at the beginning of chapter two. And it said, the first step before confidence is simply being aware of and understanding yourself. And that really, that's the goal of this podcast is for us as equestrians to start to ask the the right questions or even be willing and vulnerable enough to go there and say, who am I? Where am I right now? And where do I want to go? And how does that affect my horse all along the way? So when, when we're kind of diving into that a little bit, I would love for you just to kind of share with us your opinion 
of the importance of self-discovery and self-awareness as an equestrian? Well, I think it's the building block for everything, not just an equestrian, but it's the building block for all performance. So let's let's look at the quote in the book just for a second here. So yeah. yes, self-awareness precedes confidence. So in order, so think about this, everybody, when people who are out there, in order to really believe in something, you have to know it. You have to understand it, right? So <laughs> How can you believe in something if you don't really know anything about it or you don't even understand it? So that's where it all boils down to. So if you really want to make the transition to confidence, you have to step back one step and get into, like I call it self-discovery because there's many pieces. Mm -hmm. Now it is essentially when you boil it right down, it is the self-awareness, understanding yourself, understanding how your emotions impact you, for example, from moment to moment. What are your strengths? What are your limitations? Uh, what are your triggers? What triggers emotion inside of you? What do you believe in? What are your values? Why the heck are you writing in the first place? Mm -hmm. All these pieces that we, we frame in the book a little bit. So there's a framework in chapter two where people can do the work. Like you're going to have to do some work. It might take you a while to get through chapter two, right? But that was the whole idea of writing Ride Big in the first place is I wanted to break it up into three pieces. The first one is the core competencies. The second one is the building blocks. And the third is what put what threats could potentially get in your way of your confidence. And you have to understand those two. So that was the fun part is interviewing all the riders too and getting their perspective on, you know, all these amazing world-class riders and getting their perspective on, you know, what do you think the threats are? And then integrating the stories of the writers into uh into that chapter or into all the different chapters actually so that was the fun part the weaving all the all the pieces in and everybody had a different story like Casey had some amazing stuff that we integrated into pieces like perfection for sure because of his story right his incredible story of of the of the massive fall he had and hitting the post mm -hmm. and his face getting all just deformed and then having all these things and anyways I'm getting off topic a little bit but uh that was the fun part about uh interviewing all of the writers so let's get back to the self-awareness and self-discovery piece and uh you're exactly right that like there's a reason why that's at the front of the book because mm -hmm. in order to move to the other pieces of the book and the confidence pieces of the book, you have to do that work first on the self-awareness and self-discovery piece. And there's so much attached to it, understanding yourself. And yes, you can do it. Hey, Nikki, I, I will tell you that just, you know, when I, when I coach uh, live, I'll, I'll, for example, I'll maybe do a little self-awareness exercise and we'll ask the group who's ever in you know, the room to maybe talk about or write down their strengths and limitations. And something like that seems really simple. Mm -hmm. Like, but, you know, I'll walk around the room after five minutes or seven minutes, and there, there's usually not much on the page mm -hmm. when I ask people to write down their strengths and limitations. So um, people typically, it's not easy really understanding yourself. We have a lot of blind spots. Mm -hmm. So, so I would say that, uh, you know, you really have to do that work and yeah. uh, the self-discovery work, the self-awareness work and understanding yourself because it does precede confidence. So it has to be done. Yeah, it truly does. And so you saw, talk about Casey Deary. I watched Casey uh, ride at the Futurity. It would have been right before COVID hit. So it was 2019 and he was in a neck brace. And I have never seen someone ride in such pain and still ride at such an incredible mm. level. It was almost heartbreaking to see him in the ring, to know that he was in that amount of pain and had, and had to step up to the plate to do that. Um, but yeah, what a phenomenal man. Uh, and just, I can't wait to actually to read um, what he had to say and, and to hear more about his interview, but also 
I'm going to bring us back as well. So make sure I don't go off on too much of a tangent there. But when you talk about do the work too, like when you go into chapter two and, and or you as a, as a listener here and you go and you go into chapter two and you say, oh man, like I have to do a self-awareness quiz and I have to do this and I have to do that. If you've been listening to Take the Reins for quite some time, this is not a surprise to you that there is work that needs to be done and it needs to be done at home with your journal, with a pen and paper, with whatever you need to get to know yourself. But that being said, this is not a one-time deal. You don't get to pick up the book, do this one exercise, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I know everything about myself. This is all I need to do. This is a daily practice. It is. Yeah. There's so many things you could potentially learn about yourself. I just... I just started in the book with the structural pieces. Like for example, um, I think it's really important for uh, an equestrian to sit down and understand what they actually believe in. So mm-hmm. that's a values exercise, right? So yeah. what, what do you value in your mm-hmm. equestrian life? What is most important? So let me give you an example here of, of what that sort of looks like so we can give people a little preview of, of what to expect maybe in the book or in their own work. So I'll give you a little a little uh, tidbit here too, John. Uh, in my book, The Conscious Communicator, I have a whole chapter on, on values as well. So they anyone who's been listening to me for quite some time, they know that this is, I am all about this conversation. Uh, so they're already prepped for the importance of what you're about to say. Okay. So, um, you know, values do a lot of things. They really sort of, they can guide your behavior. They guide your actions through your behavior. And then they also help you make decisions. So day to day. So you're going to have to make a lot of decisions in your equestrian life. So how do you make those decisions? Well, in order to make a decision, you have to know what you believe in because you're making your a decision based on something. So it's really important. If you, if you have no idea what you believe in, your decisions are all over the place. Like we go through this with the corporate folks where we sit them down and really help them develop a value structure so that when they do make the decisions, they're making decisions based on something, based off of, based off of something. So let me give you an example. I think it's the example I used in the book. So some equestrians will use the... Um, use the example or choose the value or what's really important to them. So let's use professionalism as an example. So what does that some, you know, an an equestrian, a young equestrian, an up and coming equestrian will say to me, yes, I want to be professional. That's something I really believe in and that I have to do every day. So we, so we sit down and say, okay, great. That's nice. But what does that mean every day? What does that look like every day? How are we going to action that every day? What are the behaviors associated with with professionalism, for example? So it's treating people great, treating people well, treating grooms well, treating the coach well, treating competitors well, treating judges well, treating everybody well. That's the starting point. Then you get into tack. Then you get into care of horse. Then you get into all sorts of different pieces required to be a professional, mm-hmm. to really excel uh, in this sport. So then we action it. Okay, what does that look like every day? How are we going to action that every single day? And we get down to the real nitty gritty of the, of the actions every single day that they're going to action. So you can, you can visualize how powerful this could potentially be. And you, this is just one value. You're picking professionalism. You're identifying as something that's extremely important uh, in what you do every day. And that, that is going to completely change the way you do things in equestrian. It's going to change your behavior. And then you're going to see it in the, in the equestrian athlete's actions. So that's just one thing. So I, I think with, and that's a piece of self-awareness, right? Understanding yourself. What do you believe in? And what's important to you? And how are you going to action these every single day? And you can see how this could be related to confidence too, Mm -hmm. right? All of a sudden, you're professional. You're behaving like a professional. You're acting like a professional. You're acting it out every day. So that sort of just, it sort of seeps into, you know, the whole approach and it, it, it sort of. Uh, emerges as sort of a confident behavior, a confident attitude. So, mm-hmm. 
So anyways, that's one example, but I think that's, that's you know, when you, when you look at values, that's why you develop them. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes uh, an equestrian will say to me, what the heck, John, why are we doing values? Why are we building values? And I, and I, and I sit and I explain it very carefully. This is why, and this is what you're going to get out of it. And, uh, and these will be the benefits to you. So, oh, it's so important. Know. It's so important. And it's not only important for how you present yourself and what you're doing in it in the professional world or competition world, it comes down to your horse's welfare as well. And for you to be able to confidently make calls and decisions on behalf of your horse, you have to know what you value, because if you don't, then you make decisions based on other people's opinions. And then all of a sudden you start to not understand why you don't really feel good about that person or why you don't really feel good about that decision anymore. So if you, you know, if you start making decisions and your body is, and mind are, are starting to, to have some sort of symptoms where you feel upset or you walk away from a conversation and you're like, oh God, I don't really feel very good. Oftentimes it's because you've just done something against your own values. But if you haven't, if you have not gone through the process of really digging into them and saying like, what do I value? What, what is important to me? Then it's a lot more challenging to figure out what those feelings actually mean. So a part of what I think is so important is that people start, and this is something that Nadine and I have spoken about a lot, is that people make choices for themselves and their horses based on who they are and what they need and what is best for them. And so that is part of that process. You have to know what you value. You have to know what you believe in so that you're not just going along for the ride <laughs> with everyone else. Because just because you value something and it results in a decision or someone else does, doesn't make them right or wrong. And it doesn't make you right or wrong. It just makes, we're all individuals. And so our decisions have to be just as, as individual. Yes, it's exactly right. And I see, you know, when I'm working with whoever it is, a performer, typically the bottom line is if you don't have a value structure, if you don't clearly understand what you believe in, it's very difficult to make consistent decisions. Yeah. Because you can't, you don't know what you believe in. So one day you're believing this and the next day you're believing this. And another day somebody says something and you're taking that as a piece of, you know, making your decision. So you really have to get that down. And that is the part of the self-awareness, which I think is big along with the purpose too. They're, they're in alignment a little bit, right? Yeah, if you start, I, that's a, that's an entire other podcast to, to start aligning all these pieces yeah. together but uh, the purpose piece obviously is, is very big too. If you really clearly have to understand why you're doing something mm -hmm. and consistently go back to it. And it has to be front and center all the time in, in a performance because that piece is a critical piece. Yeah, it's so important when we think about the purpose. We'll go back into purpose in a second, John, but I wanna bring us back for a second because when we're speaking about these values and making decisions, when we doubt our decisions, oftentimes it's because we don't actually know what drove the decision in the first place, or we don't have, we didn't make the decision built on a solid ground. So if you find yourself, uh, those of you who are listening, if you find yourself doubting your decisions a lot, if you make a decision and then you start second guessing yourself and you start asking other people their opinion and said, should I have done this? Should I do this? Then oftentimes it's, it's just a symptom that we need to look into our values so that when we make those decisions, we make them from our true self. And we say, yeah, like I am confident in my decision and you can start to eliminate that doubt based on who you are and what you value. So that was, that was kind of what was just coming up for me there. Um, but I do have, you brought up purpose and I do have a question written out for you um, about purpose. And it was simply just, why is it so important for people to dig deeper into their purpose as an equestrian? You know, we hear about it in leadership all the time. We, we hear about it. If someone is going and they're starting some new journey, what's their purpose, but we don't often connect it to being an equestrian. So let's go there for just a few moments. Okay. Well, I think the pur purpose really does often get lost in all the junk. Mm. It really does. There's so much junk going on in performance uh, in equestrian sport that we forget why we're actually doing it. 
And we get sometimes so wrapped up in what other people value uh, and the ribbons and the achievement and, you know, and it becomes so overwhelming that, and I'll give you an example, you know, many times I have to bring even a professional athlete back to purpose. They get lost. It becomes so, there's so many distractions and they become so overwhelmed by what's going on around them that they forget about the joy of why they're doing it and why they did it in the first place. So you bring the person back, you bring back the feelings and you get them to visualize why they got involved in riding in the first place, that little girl or little boy who loved horses, who loved being around the barn, who loved the feeling of, of mounting the horse and the horse moving. And all these really organic things that are really the critical piece of riding. And you always have to bring yourself back because that's where the joy is. And that's where mm-hmm. the, the fundamentals of why you did it in the first place are. So I might have a rider, for example, I've had riders call me in the in or just going into the in gate, you know, in the warm up ring and saying, John, I'm panicking here. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I can do this. And so you know, a lot of times the first step is to bring them back to there's, there's different steps that you could potentially use depending on who it is and what their experiences are and me knowing them and everything. But, you know, sometimes you'll come back and bring them back to the purpose, like remember, like forget about the crowd, forget about, you know, the ribbon, forget about, you know, what the result of this is going to be for you. Like this could be a big class. It could be a five-star. It could be whatever the the potential class, or even, you know, a a young rider uh, riding at the meter 20 level at the Royal or something like that. I've had that before too, where they're so anxious and, you know, the Royal too, there's so much going on and the lights Mm -hmm. are on and people are moving. There's horses everywhere and it's really distracting. And then there's a lot of people watching So, and there's a lot of expectations and there's a lot of heaviness uh, around the performances. So, you know, prior to that, you bring them back to let's, let's focus on one thing here. Why the heck are you doing this? And Mm -hmm. why did you get involved in riding in the first place? And let's lighten this up a little bit and allow you to go in and just enjoy it and maximize your abilities and use your training. Mm-hmm. So that's why purpose is so important because everybody should do the exercise of why the heck they do it and, and write it all down. Like I have this really, really amazing exercise that I do with, with all performers. Um, it's called possibilities. So, and it's all related to uh, purpose. And so, and I'm constantly, Nikki, bringing them back to this document and saying, read it, go back and read it. Why the heck are you doing this? You know, they, as you kind of move through the, the summer or move through uh, your writing experience, you lose touch with that mm-hmm. and you have to come back to it. It's like coming back to your roots, you know, and really saying, okay, why the heck am I doing this? And people get, as you know, when people ride, they get they'll just there's so many there's so much junk going on and I explain a lot of the junk in the book in the threats in the back of the book so that's part of how you can uh alleviate a lot of the anxiety etc is to bring yourself back to the purpose and that's why it's just so doggone important it really is there's an exercise that I've used as well that you may have seen called the seven levels deep I have yep that's, a, that's an interesting one. Sometimes it can, it can get a little heavy and, and people kind of kind of get hung up places. So I'm interested to hear about your possibilities exercise because it is so important to really understand truly why do you do what you do? You know, why did you decide you wanted to own a horse in the first place? Why did you enter this show? What, you know, I have a lot of people who enter shows just because they think it's the next step because they have to. Um, it's like people who decide they're getting married because it's the next step, but why do you want to do this? Um, and, and it's just not a question that we spend a lot of time on because we tend to make decisions based on our past hopes and dreams, what we believe is success for other people, what we believe is success for us. And uh, when we dig into that, why you might start to realize that 
the things you thought <laughs> you believed why you were doing it are actually not all that that important anymore. I think people can kind of visualize here too. If you start visualizing what what we're talking about, you can visualize sort of an unlocking of confidence too, yeah. right? When you yeah. start talking about okay, yeah, I'm going to take away that anxiety of of you know the reasons you know, the reasons why I shouldn't ride, I should rock. The reasons why I should ride are the mm -hmm. things that I want to embrace. And then the value system, you're able to make decisions, you're able to shape your behavior, you're able mm -hmm. to, you know, get the actions that you want. Mm -hmm. So you can see how this is all sort of playing into confidence a little bit. And it's the yeah. base level of confidence. And we're just touching on it right now. Like this is just the beat. <laughs> This is just the beginning of it, right? The purpose and the values and the strengths and the limitations, knowing those things too are, are critical. But then there's a, there's a sort of a sub layer of other things that uh, are required to know about yourself in order to move forward. So it all gets back to what we originally said about confidence and self-awareness is that if you truly understand yourself and understand mm -hmm. your behavior and understand your actions, then there's opportunity to build confidence. There really is. It's the sort of the starting point, right? Because if you understand something, then you can, you can start believing a little bit and, and knowing a little bit. So, yes. so, so that's the exciting thing is that this can be worked on and, and, um, and there's opportunity for people certainly to, to start building confidence. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because you really like, riding horses is all about influence. Like you're influence very like same with leadership, like you're influencing this other being, but truly you don't, you can't see your influence on someone else until you start to tune into yourself. And when you increase that level of self-awareness, then you actually start to be able to expand that out and you start to reflect and say, Oh, that's how I influence that person. That's how I'm influencing that horse. That's how I'm influencing, you know, my own ability to do A, B, C, or D. So I find it really interesting that we, we want to influence so much, but yet we tend to be so disconnected from the self, which is really the only way that we can see how we're influencing in the first place. I, I totally agree with you. And it comes back to the old adage, right? If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. And the whole concept of models, like, uh, for example, emotional intelligence, which is very, very popular in corporate uh, to shift behavior and change behavior. It's a very, it's a very progressive model where you got to get yourself right first. Yeah. Because it starts at self-awareness, uh, always like the model, all the models of emotional intelligence, all the sophisticated models of emotional intelligence start with self-awareness and then regulation, self-management, mm -hmm. and then social awareness, having empathy. And then you get to the top of the food chain, which is relationships, right? And influencing others and being able to influence others and develop quality, sustainable relationships with people. But if you don't have the bottom piece, it's a very steep climb up mm -hmm. to that part. Yeah. So people have to, if they get themselves right first, if they're leading themselves properly, then they have the opportunity to lead others. And it, it mm -hmm. comes back to your example of the partnership with the horse and the rider. If you can really get it right with yourself, I think you can really lead your partner and mm -hmm. lead your horse. And they're obviously going to help you too, right? If they have confidence and they're really good, they can help you too. But I think you got to focus on yourself and your own sort of your own sort of role in the partnership. And that's what I tried to focus on and ride big. Mm -hmm. um, do I know everything about horses? Certainly not, right? But I do know something about the people piece after doing it for so many years. So that's the part I focused on in the book and getting that right. And then that can really help the partnership. Yeah. I love this conversation so much. And my last podcast episode that came out on just, well, what day are we on? Are we, are we on Wednesday? It came out yesterday. We're on Wednesday. Is, yeah. Is self-leadership for equestrians. So everything oh, that we're speaking about is, is connected to what I've been talking about on this podcast for three years. So it just makes my heart so happy. 
one thing I'd like to go back to is you in the book, you talk about the factors of equestrian performance. And I believe it's on page 42 for those okay. of you who have the book, go get it if you don't, but the mental and emotional factor there, you have that bolded and a little bit bigger than the rest of the factors. And it says mastering your mind. Can you just riff a little bit on mastering your mind? It's really essentially what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. But let's just look at like, what is the importance of mastering your mind? Uh, as it's, it is equally important in just being in life, but I guess we'll just narrow it down to horsemanship for now. Well, yeah, the, I think the model you're talking about in the book is sort of a performance model. It's the basic pieces of performance. So everybody knows what technical is. So everybody mm -hmm. knows what physical is. So the physical, you need, and, and physical is becoming more important and it seems to be becoming more popular in equestrian sport because people are, are aware of the physicality required to support the technicals, support the seat, support the, I mean, obviously there's, it's all about the legs, right? So you need to uh, have strong legs and be able to, to manage the, the signals and the aids and everything. So, and then there's the strategic piece. When you go in the ring, do you know what to do? If you, if you use show jumping as an example, you know, what are you going to do at each fence? Uh, the strategy around the course, how are we going to approach the course? And you can put horsemanship in that too. But then there's this funny piece um, that people typically don't pay a lot of attention to. I think people understand how important it is. They know, they're told how important it is, and they read about how important it is. Um, but I think part of the problem is they don't really understand or know how to work on it because there's not sort of really good sustainable models about step-by-step -step how to build it. So that's part of the reason, again, for writing the book is that people will have a step-by-step -step sustainable way to develop the, the mental and the emotional piece. So you have the cognitive piece, obviously, the thinking piece, and then the emotional piece is really critical too. I mean, I always say that uh, you know, emotions do run the show in performance and they really do. So you have to understand that I highly recommend for people if they get the book is to focus on that chapter around emotions, because uh, I think it's really key to understand, first of all, what emotions are, mm -hmm. like, what are they? I think if you asked a lot of people, a lot of people wouldn't know what emotions are. And it's something we use a lot. We use every day. Um, and it's, it's a major part of our life, emotions. It's how we experience the world. So it's, in, it's important to understand that. And in performance, it's critical. If you're a performer, if you're a high-level performer and you're, you're, you're wanting to reach a certain level, you have to understand what emotions are and how they impact you from moment to moment. Mm -hmm. so, so that piece, and there's so many ways to work on it too, Nikki. There's so many pieces of the mental and the emotional piece. I mean, I wrote the book about confidence, but there's so many other pieces attached to it and how to develop those pieces. I mean, you know, the whole idea of, of creating a plan for yourself too, even that piece, right, is really, is really key. I think it, it's always important for people to, to understand sort of where they are now, where they're going, and what will be the steps to get there? What do those steps look like? Because it's more predictable. And again, it's another chapter in the book, it's getting back to confidence, right? If, you, if it's predictable and you know where you're going and you're step-by-step, step, it gives you confidence that you, you know what the plan is and there's predictability in your step-by-step -step actions too. So, and I will tell you, it's this really, uh, funny because when I first started to work in equestrian, I met a lot of young, very talented equestrians who wanted to get to certain levels. And my question to them all the time was, what's the plan to get there? You're investing massive amounts of money, massive amounts of time, massive amounts of resources in this sport. You better be very clinical about how you're going to do it. Um, at this particular level, I was asking a lot of riders in Wellington that what is the plan here? And then, you know, I'd see them the next year and they still wouldn't have a plan. And all of a sudden they're, they're, they're starting to phase themselves out of the sport. And a year later, I, I, you know, I go back and they're out of the sport because they don't have a plan of how to do things. 
So I think that's important too, you know, and you can attach all of that to the mental and the emotional piece, the, the planning piece, because so much of, you know, what's in the plan is related to developing the pieces required on the mental and the emotional side to get to new levels and get to the next level. So, uh, so that that's important, but there's a lot attached to the mental and the emotional piece. That's like 10 podcasts. Oh, I know. Right. (laughs) Here's another piece of it. Yeah. You're always working on certain things and developing, but it really is, um, you know, the other thing too, about the mental and emotional piece, it's skills, like you're building skills, you're creating skills and you're building skills and you're solidifying skills here. It's, uh, it's just, it's just as important. That's why in the performance model there, I included the four of them and are, are, which one is the most important? Is it the technical? Is it the mental part? Is it the physical part? Is it the strategic part? Well, I think you could assign maybe 25% to all of them. They're all really important. But the fact is that you have to work on all of them. You can't just leave one out because that's, it, it's a, you know, each part supports the other piece. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're being coached every single day on the technical side, then you might want to think about, you know, working on the, on the top piece or the bottom piece, you can include it whatever way you want in the model. I put it on the bottom, the mental and the emotional part, because I really think that it supports the other pieces. It gives a framework to the other pieces. Um, is it, is it more important? Like I, I, you know, I go into, like I'll go into a professional team or a professional soccer team or a football team or a baseball team or whatever it is. And um, I never think that I'm the most important piece in the whole thing. I'm a part of the piece. I'm a part of the performance model um, that I'm helping with to build these skills. I never come in thinking that the mental, like some people think that the mental and the emotional piece, you know, you always hear that it's 90% or 80% of the whole thing. But once you get to a certain level, it becomes really important. Um, You know, if you're way up there in the, at the competency level, um, the mental and the emotional piece is important. But in my opinion, it's no more important than the other pieces. They're all important. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And if, if we can break it down to just say like, there is, again, there's no quick fix and it's not a matter of, you know, you, if you get your mental and emotional, all of a sudden, everything else is going to come together. If you get this, then everything else is going to come together. And I, I do feel like in the horse world, a little bit of that happens where it's like, well, if you do your groundwork and you get your horse's mind, you're good to go. But if you do that, but you don't have your own mind, then no, you're not good to go because there's two, there's two people here. There's two entities here. And so we spoke about that a little bit on the Canada horse podcast is that it's a unique sport in that it's not, you're not on your own. It's not just you and, and a ball or you and a team. It's you and another living, breathing, feeling being. And so there's so many pieces to it. And John, I do feel like we would just probably keep going and going right now because there's so much to this. Um, so I'm going to rein us in and, uh, Oh, I like it. I like that <laughs> raining, the metaphor. I love it. Right? So, it. you know, I, I really enjoy our conversation, but I also equally enjoy your book. And I do feel like it's a practical tool, which is exactly what I'm trying to offer people. I feel like people avoid this work because like you said, there's not really this strong model for somebody to go to. Like if somebody says, well, I want to learn how to do groundwork with my horse. They can Google that and they can get these CD sets that are sent to their home and they look at, or they go on YouTube and they have this very strategic way to go about it. But when people say you've got to do the mental work, you have to work on yourself. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm, I am who I am. I am who I am. And that is going to have to be good enough because it's hard work to do. And we don't necessarily know where to start. So that's my mission. Yeah. The other thing too, Nikki, just very quickly is um, another part of the problem is that when people feel like they have to work on their Mm -hmm. mental and the emotional piece, they feel like there's something potentially wrong with them, which is there's nothing further from the truth. This is skills. 
This is skills you're building and you need to build the skills. There's nothing wrong with you. Like you're not crazy. You're not (laughs) sick. You're not, you know, they're not going to drag you away to the psych ward or whatever. This is something that it goes along with everything else. And it's skill building and you have to do the work. Unfortunately, there's a bit of a negative paradigm around it, which is really, really unfortunate um, because that's not the case because sometimes, you know, this type of, this type of uh, category, this type of work, it sometimes gets a little bit misplaced. It's not clinical psychology. You're building skills here. So mm-hmm. that's it. You need I'm to really build. glad that you said that because that's, it's a really important piece is that, you know, we're, we're not broken. This is something that every person, and it's interesting because we start to teach these skills to our children. And then at some point we're like, well, you're on your own. <laughs> that's who you are now. Right. Can you imagine if you if you in in school, like I just wrote this article for a magazine, an equestrian magazine, uh, talking about um, the critical things that potentially equestrian sport can bring to a young person that they can translate mm-hmm. into everything they do in their life. And I just went point by point by point. And one of the things is you can imagine if if young people understood and understood the source of understood the reasons why things happen as far as emotions go and they're able to get a handle and being able to regulate emotions and label emotions and have a process to really deal with their emotions and what they mean and what the messages mean and what they are and that would be very valuable I think Mm -hmm. for for young people so that's one of the things that young people can 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 learn in equestrian sport is this emotional piece and take that into everything they do, because this is a really key piece, the emotional piece because of the horse and the horse feeling, you know, the emotions of the rider. So anyways, I just wanted to say that because I think that people should be, feel good about, you know, working on these things because uh, it's necessary and it's skill building. And it's necessary for everyone at no matter what stage they are in life. This is just a skill to be worked on daily or skills to be worked on daily. Oh, it's all so good. Uh, I have, this is just something that as we were having the conversation, it kind of uh, reminded me that I had done this at some point. And so I'm going to end on this one because I feel like it might give some people something to think about when it comes to getting to know ourselves. So, you know, when I, I used to teach high school drama and English And one of the things I had all of my students do, and I actually have mine in front of me because it was behind me, it is two-sided back to back. And all it is, is words that describe me. So my name is at the top and it's two full pages of words that describe me. And the reason I did it was as an example for my students But when you say that people, you know, they have a hard time knowing what their strengths and their values are or their strengths and their and their limitations are, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to write down three words that describe who they are. So I would encourage my students, we would sit down for three days in the classroom and they would have to take that time to write out as much as they know about themselves, both negative and positive. Um, But that it's a hard task, but it's one of those things that when you finish it, you're like, oh, wow. I don't know if I even knew that about myself until I started putting pen to paper. Uh, So it's a really simple exercise, but it's hard and, uh, and it's really rewarding. It's things we don't think about. And you always have to remember too, that people have blind spots about themselves so you also need feedback from other people too on asking people like mm-hmm. what, like give me three words that describe me and then mm-hmm. kind of consider how they fit. Does that work? Does, do I really believe that about myself? And you might say, no, I don't think those words quite work. Or you might say, yes, I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think those work. Mm-hmm. So you can filter the feed. You can always filter feedback from people too, but I think it's important to ask people. So if you're a young equestrian, Ask your coach, ask your parents, Mm -hmm. ask your teachers, what are my strengths? What are my limitations? And use that as the starting point for yourself too, and then build on it yourself based on your own experience. So I think it's always good to get feedback from people too. 
Mm-hmm. I love the advice to look for the feedback and actually our horses, and we say this all the time, our horses are our best feedback partner. So if you want to know whether you are patient, go and look at your horse and, and have a conversation with them on the ground and they'll let you know if you're patient or not. And even and, on the technical side too, yeah, right? The horses yeah. are, you know, are you, how are you doing with the aids? Are you applying yeah. them properly? Are they, and, and you'll get the feedback from the horse yeah. because the horde will do the action that you're asking for. So yeah. those are absolutely, I think the definitely horses are amazing, amazing feedback for yeah. us. Really good. For sure. All right, John. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And it was great love to have it. another you, conversation Nikki. with you. I'd love to have you back on sometime. I think that uh, this is something we can just kind of continue to expand on. And I think it's exactly the direction that I want to take the reins in. So, okay. Sounds great. Yeah. We can focus on, there's so much to focus mm-hmm. on Nikki in this area. It's, it's so wide. It's so big. So anytime I'm always happy to help you and always happy to help the audience. It's great. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening. And we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind. 